The Longhorn Confidential Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. What is going on, Texas fans? This is the Longhorn Confidential for Thursday, January 23rd. I'm Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman. As always, I am joined by Mr. Mike Craven. Mike, say hello to the people. Hello, people. How is everybody doing? All right, Mike. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, being released on Thursday. But on Tuesday, big news was all about baseball. Sport me and you are quite familiar with. Uh, Braves fan yourself. I'm a Rockies fan. Baseball Hall of Fame um, announced its newest inductees, uh, Derek Jeter, uh, the New York Yankees, somehow was one vote short of being, Jeter, a, being two. a unanimous um, pick. And then near and dear to my heart, Larry Walker uh, finally got in on his 10th tenth try for Rocky to get in the Hall of Fame. So big day for us Rockies fans, big days for the Yankees fans. Canadians as well. Larry Walker, mm-hmm. one of the few Canadians to get to the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. So good, good job up to then. Uh, you know, as always, it's one of those days where you can kind of scream and yell about Bonds, Clemens, Kurt Schilling, whoever your favorite people were that didn't get in. Am I allowed to? Can we do that? No? We're going to move on from that? I think we'll, we'll move on. Okay. But, uh, I have very hot takes about that, as, as I'm sure you do, too. Um, it's a museum, not a, not a saint, not a right. church. Right. Baseball. All right, anyway, we're, today we are opening up a Hall of Fame of our own, since this is a recruiting podcast. Uh, we're going to do this open and kind of make a Hall of Fame of recruiting. So, Mike, I have a ballot for you. Um, okay. Some categories I want you to uh, go over. I'll throw in my, my picks, too. But, you know, disclaimer, you know, we've both been in this game since uh, late 2000s. I came here in 2007. I think that's around the time you started in the business, too. So, yep. um, you know, we're not going to have recruiting stories from the 1970s. Right. I don't. Um, I can't tell you about Earl Campbell or yeah. Eric Metcalf. I don't. I, I can't. So we can't we can't fill you in there. But. Who is your Hall of Fame? If you if you had a ballot, who would be your Hall of Fame recruit? Who's getting in? Who's the five-star, the five-star best kid you ever saw? You saw him playing, you're just like, whoa. I saw Trevor Lawrence at a camp. The last time the opening was in Oregon, he was, he was at that one, and the ball came out differently. But I never saw him play a game, so I'm going to go with Jamal Adams. Safety, he ended up going to LSU. He's from the Houston area, now plays for the Jets. The kid was just different. I love defensive backs, and he was just one of those dudes where it was like, okay, he's going to be in the NFL unless something weird happens because he was he was incredible. I don't believe I don't. I had to go back and look what at what he was, but mine is Aaron Williams, who mm. was a local kid, um, went to McNeil, obviously, then went to Texas, had a nice little NFL career in Buffalo before injuries kind of cut that short. But I remember when I came down here from Montana, and obviously, I grew up reading Friday Night Lights. I knew kind of about the aura of. Texas football, but it was still like, okay, you know, what's the big deal? You know, we we have football in Montana. Um, I saw Aaron play early on um, my first year on the high school beat here, and my jaw dropped. <laughs> I remember one play, he was playing safety for McNeil, and he was lined up on, you know, the right side of the field, and Blake Gideon was Leander's quarterback, who was a pretty good athlete himself in high school, and he ran a play to his right, and Aaron somehow came across the field and stopped him in the backfield. And I just remember seeing that and being like, this kid is Superman. Yeah. And I remember later in the year, um, I was at a regional track meet, and he had just shown up. Like, he had um, 
decided to come out and do some track just for some conditioning. Showed up at the district meet, first track meet of the year, won the long, usually the long jump or the triple jump and qualified for regional. So that kid was just a great athlete. He's a freak. I was not surprised that he succeeded at Texas and got to the NFL. So that was kind of my first. And that was also the same year that, you know, Garrett Gilbert, that was his junior year. Mm-hmm. So I mean, those were, I came in and saw, got to see two very good, very good athletes right away. Some of the best um that the Central Texas area has had to offer. I'd put Garrett Wilson up there. You know, it's hard. You know, he's so recent, you know, mm-hmm. the recency bias. But if we're talking just pure athletes, like that dude's a top 50 basketball player in the country if he wants to play basketball. Yeah. You know, like he was just, I mean, he could do whatever he wanted to do whenever he wanted to do it. He, he was pretty good in terms of just like dominate everything he wanted to dominate. The only people that like Garrett Wilson better than us and Ohio State and Lake Travis fans were the people that run the TV stations because yeah. that kid was a highlight machine. Yeah. You just had to go up there yeah. for the first court and he was going to give you yeah. something to put on your broadcast. I call him that Spider-Man because it just sti- like, it's like he has that old school stick on his gloves. I mean, mm-hmm. he doesn't, but that's what it looked. I mean, it just, I mean, he, and he always uh, attributed it to alley oops. He was such a good basketball player that he just, you know, he knew how to grab the ball from different body angles and stuff. It was, yeah, he's a freak. All right. Uh, who was your, Hall of Fame snub. We talked earlier about, you know, Bonds and Clemens not getting in for, you know, those various reasons. I always, as a kid, loved Kenny Lofton and thought he was the greatest player of all time. And, you know, he never, you know, really got close to getting in before he fell off the ballot. So who was kind of the most underrated recruit you saw? The, the kid that you're like, how is this kid not getting offers, whether it's, you know, because he's from a small town, which, you know, you have you know, family that went to Liberty Hill. So I'm sure you know all, all about that. And who was, who was kind of the biggest snub someone who should have been a five-star in, in your eyes well i was looking at this more of like guys who were underrated coming into texas that should have been higher rated. and mine was michael griffin uh-huh. at at Bowie. um he was around the same age as a lot of really good players in this area eric hardeman was around similarly myron hardy even ramont's taylor out in belton and so michael griffin kind of went under the radar i think he was a three-star recruit uh, so he wasn't supposed to be you know like a future NFL player and all that kind of stuff. And he was just unbelievable in high school. Played both sides of the football. Uh, was really good on that team. Uh, had his twin brother there, clearly. Um, so I would say I would say he was one of the first players I remember watching and then looking up their recruiting ranking and being like, what? It, that doesn't add up, you know? And so he was, he was really good. Um, Texas fans, you can fast forward about a minute on this podcast because my answer are a Sooner and an Aggie. And, you know, the class 2013 class in the area produced two really good quarterbacks um, in Baker Mayfield and Jake Hubenek, who both were very under-recruited. Baker had a couple offers. You know, the mystique of him just being a walk-on is a little overstated because he did have a couple couple offers, but they are just small schools. And Jake had no offers because he had been injured during his junior year. And, you know, people are a little hesitant to pull the, pull the trigger on him. But... They were both really good quarterbacks. Jake led Georgetown to the state championship game that year where they lost to Gerard Hurd, who was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then Baker was Baker. Um, and so, you know, neither of them signed on signing day. Baker ended up walking on at Texas Tech, and we kind of know how that story ends up. Um, and he's now in the NFL. Jake ended up walking on Oklahoma State, transferring to a JUCO, and ended up at A&M. Um, a couple years later, and got it, you know, got got some playing time at A and M. But I was, I was always surprised that those two did not get the due that they deserved on the recruiting trail. And Baker obviously proved a lot of people wrong over his uh, 
five five years at a tech in Oklahoma, and obviously he's doing his things with the Browns. I always days. wondered if uh, Baker kind of got hurt a little bit because of the Garrett Gilbert thing. You know, I'd, he, I'd imagine that had something. To you do know, with. he it, it Lake Travis, I think, for a little while became kind of a system quarterback type situation where like people couldn't tell if the quarterback was good or if Lake Travis is just that dominant. And I think Baker kind of fell in that gap of like. Well, maybe you know, maybe it's just Lake Travis. Look at what Garrett, you know, Gilbert's doing or whatever. But I was always surprised because at the same time, Johnny Manziel was killing college football. So it was like you watch Baker, and then you see the best player in college football, and you're like, why? You know, like clearly that kind of style can work. So why wouldn't Baker? So yeah, I'm with you. Baker was a uh, he was a phenomenal high school football player. All right, Texas fans, we're not done talking about the Sooners. You can come back. La la la. Uh, who is your Hall of Fame hit for Texas? What was you know the one signing you saw and you're like. You know, whether or not they signed an underrated guy who became a star, whether or not they hit on that five-star um, and won a recruiting battle for someone big. Who's your, who's your Hall of Fame hit for Texas? I changed my answer right before we started this thing. Colt McCoy. I mean, I don't think anybody thought Colt McCoy was going to continue kind of the Vince Young, you know, legacy. He did it in a different way. Uh, but, you know, I, I think a lot of people thought there would be a huge drop-off or that Colt would never even play at Texas and just kind of be a career backup and instead – you know, he led them to a to a national championship game and was you know one of the statistically better quarterbacks in the country despite coming from like Jim Ned and being a two or three star that was you know was a skinny old country boy. Um, I'm staying on that that uh, you know line of thinking and I'm actually going with Sam. Mm. Um, I think people forget because you know how good Sam was his junior year at Westlake, but when he committed to Texas, he was a three star kid. Not a lot of people were that confident in you know what Texas was getting. I mean, his only offers, I believe his other best two offers were from Houston and McNeese State when he committed to Texas. So this is a three-star kid who's local at Texas. Charlie's uh, staff was taking a chance on, and obviously, you know, he gained a little bit more steam on the recruiting trail because of the junior year he had. But, you know, this is a kid who was a little underrated. Texas got in on him early. Obviously, he loved the Longhorns. You know, once Charlie got fired, I don't think Sam, there was any chance Sam was a you know, wavering from that commitment, and obviously, you know, he's going to end his career at Texas as arguably, I don't even think it's arguably, but as a top five quarterback in, you know, the school's history, kind of depending on where you want to rank him um, right. with some of the older older guys. So that was, I think that was a big hit for Texas, and they got in on him, hit him early, developed, saw, saw something in him that not a lot of people were seeing. And imagine where this Texas program would be right now without Sam Ellinger. Yeah. You know, if Tom Herman comes to Austin and there isn't a Sam Ellinger on campus, what what does this football program look like over the last three years? I'm, I'm guessing Charlie Strong's career. Mm-hmm. On the other end of the spectrum, what's kind of your Hall of Fame miss from Texas? Either someone they signed that unfortunately busted or someone that they were recruiting that they just lost uh, that battle for? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with more of a general thing here, and I'm just going to say the quarterbacks in the last decade. You know, there was, you know, I, and some of this uh, is marginalized. And maybe if we look at, you know, player by player, there are certain circumstances. But when you look at all the quarterbacks in the NFL that are from the state of Texas, I mean, two of them from Austin at the same high school. And then you look at the ones who went through Texas and they're just, there's not any, you know. So uh, this last decade for the Longhorns in terms of being mediocre and not having any consistency. I think can be drawn back to just not hitting on on quarterbacks. RG three, Johnny Manziel, Baker, you know, guys that may have been underrated recruiting wise, but you know, Texas just didn't find them and develop them. And uh, 
I think it's led to, you know, three different coaching changes, two different coaching changes, and, you know, a, a decade of pretty much 500 football. Um, I'm going big picture, too, with mine. And I know this is not as simple as I am making it, but Texas is the home of Earl Campbell, Ricky Williams, mm. Cedric Benson, and their track record of attracting these five-star running backs or developing them when they get here has not been great. Um, the one-star running back they've had over the last uh, – decade was Deontay Foreman who was essentially a throw-in uh, yeah. with, with his with his brother coming yeah, to Texas. Yeah, Armani was the, was the, the big one recruit. everyone wanted. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe things will change with, um, you know, Keontae, you know, his junior year and John Robinson coming in and some of these other guys they're chasing. But, you know, it, it has been kind of startling how Texas has not been producing these, um, you know, big time star running backs considering how many Doak Walker awards they have in their trophy cases, right. and you know who has who has starred before before them. Some of that is a seven on seven state now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. And then the Big Twelve is kind of viewed as a seven on seven football conference. So you know, like this year, Jace McClellan's five star from Alito. He's at Alabama. You know, Zach Evans five star wanted to sign with Georgia. Probably going to end up at A and M. So I feel like a lot of these running backs from the state just don't look at the style at Texas and want to go there, mm-hmm. you know, or any of the Big 12 schools, really. Like I said, it was not as simple as I'm making it, but I decided to make it simple. There you go. Anyway, you know, what's uh, to kind of close out, what is your Hall of Fame personal rant about recruiting? This is a pretty open-ended question, but, you know, maybe it's a myth out there. Maybe it's, a, you know, obviously you have to deal with a lot of nonsense when, it, when you're out, sure. out and about doing your job. What's kind of your personal rant about recruiting uh the stars don't matter um every statistical article that has ever looked into any of these things prove that stars are a better indicator of college and nfl success than even the first round of the nfl draft um so i i just look at it and it's a lack of understanding of statistics right statistics do not matter to the individual but that does not make them any less true and so yes there's going to be two stars or even three stars that uh, blossom and be have NFL careers. There's going to be five star guys that you've never heard of before, but that's true in the first round of the NFL draft. That's true, uh, really, in any type of talent evaluation stuff. But it's still a fantastic indicator of success. If you are a five star recruit coming out of high school, you have like a fifty percent better chance of getting drafted the first round than if you are a three star recruit. So, for every JJ Watt out there, there's thirty guys who don't fit that mold. And uh, I wish we didn't have to like cram down everybody's throat each time like one you know like Patrick Mahomes you know it's like oh he's only a three star guy it's like well one it depends on which site you were looking at and he also played baseball and he played at White House Texas like there's millions of of high school kids out here it's going to be impossible uh, to give them all four or five star rankings so uh, I I guess for me it's the star rankings don't matter and it's the idea that if somebody's a three star that means that we thought they stunk you Mm -hmm. know it's like there's only 254 stars in the whole country out of everybody playing football. I mean, you're, you're pretty good if you go to any college. So I, just, I don't like that idea of like, oh, look at this underdog who came from nowhere. It's like, not, that's not what happened. So what you're saying is after a national championship game or a Super Bowl, we're not going to find you on Twitter at Craven Mike with the, uh, oh, this guy was only a, a zero star no. in high school. This guy no. was only a two star. No. If you, and that's the other thing. If you look at the college football playoffs specifically – there's no way to argue that recruiting doesn't matter. I mean, it's the same schools every year, and that's not because Saban's a genius or Dabo's a genius or anything like that. It's because they have the best players. Mac Brown wasn't a genius with Vince Young and then forgot how to be a genius after that. He was a genius because Vince Young was here. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is the Janes and Joes as much as the X's and O's in college football and recruiting absolutely matters. Uh, my rant is always, like we, we've said this before, but there are hundreds and hundreds and thousands of recruits out there. And, you know, you're not, not everything is going to be you know, an absolute science. And sometimes a kid that Texas or Oklahoma or Alabama decides to choose over is going to blossom. And that doesn't always mean that the previous school missed on them. And one thing that's been a trend around Texas fans, especially at the quarterback position, is saying, Mac, especially with Mac, Mac missed on X, X, and X. And in right. some of those cases, he was right. You know, you know, I think you know, the JT Barrett thing is a legitimate argument. But one thing that has always annoyed me since I first got on this beat was the Robert Griffin <laughs> complaints. <laughs> right. Because people look at what Robert did at Baylor and just assume, okay, you know, he was supposed to do this at Texas, and Texas didn't think he could play quarterback, blah, blah, blah. What people don't remember was Robert Griffin was committed to Houston. Yeah. And Houston happy to be coached by Art Bryles. Bryles got the Baylor job and decided to take Robert with him. Had Texas chosen Robert Griffin III, who was a year older than Garrett Gilbert, over Garrett Gilbert, the fan base would have lit that stadium on fire. Mm-hmm. Garrett was a no-miss five-star recruit. Robert was a quarterback who was excellent in track. And yep. it just happened to not work out. Robert had a great career at Baylor, did a lot of spectacular things. They both have had nice, long stays in the NFL, and they're both you know going to be collecting that NFL pension. But mm-hmm. you know some things just don't happen. And so you know the whole Mac, oh, Mac wanted Johnny to be a safety. Mac wanted... Robert Griffin to be a you know defensive back, knock it off. Right. Texas fans didn't want Robert Griffin then. Don't act like you want it. You want him now because that's silly. And I think people kind of forget their history when they're making these complaints and trying to find things to nitpick about Texas's recruiting. Because Garrett was someone all the media thought was going to was a can't miss prospect. I remember doing a chat um, when we used to do weekly chats. Um, and someone asking us if we thought Garrett was going to leave Texas after his junior year. And this while Garrett was still a junior in high school. Right. So right. It, it's, uh, right. you know, everyone thought he was a candidate prospect. Ordained. And people, people, you know, there's a reason Texas took him and not Robert Griffin III, who, like, like we said, would not have ended up in the Big 12 or at a Power 5 conference had his coach at Houston you know, not gone there too. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, it was supposed to go Vince Young, Colt McCoy, then Garrett Gilbert was going to take over. There wasn't going to be any type of hiccup, you know? Like, that was... That was the plan, and it was all in place. And, you know, it really, you know, situation or, you know, whatever, it just didn't work out uh, that way. But, yeah, I mean, there's there's 1,400 high schools in Texas that play football. I mean, there's just it's impossible to think that you're going to find every gym and know who develops and who doesn't. You know, a lot of that is a, is a guessing game, and Nick Saban missed on that, too. You know, Bob Stoops missed on that too. It's not like, like you said, it's not like everybody was knocking down Robert Griffin's door. Everybody wasn't knocking down Johnny Manziel's door. You know, a lot of these guys we throw in Max' face uh, were underrated recruits that every coach in the country didn't think was as good as Garrett Gilbert and some of the, you know, Tyron Swoops and Gerard mm-hmm. Hurd. You know, and so uh, some of that's just missing. You know, you're a Browns fan. You you know what that's like when you you know speaking of Johnny Manziel, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, it just sometimes that happens. All right, uh, let's hear from someone other than me and Mike. Uh, Mike recently caught up with uh, two uh, recruits on the recruiting trail. Caught up with uh, 2021 commit, uh, 
Hayden Connor, offensive lineman from Katie Taylor, who, like I said, has already pledged to Texas, and uh, running back that Texas is targeting, L.J. Johnson from CyFair. So let's uh, first hear from Hayden. So as a commitment coming into these things, you know, some new coaches, some new faces, kind of what was the overall feel for the day? It felt normal. It was really good to meet uh, Coach Yersich and uh, all the new coaches that got on board, and it, it feels normal. It feels like they're meant to be here. How how much easier is it for your position group having Coach Hayden still be around and have, have him? It's perfect. I mean, if there was a coaching change, I still wouldn't have decommitted or changed my mind. I love Texas, but Coach Hand makes my job a lot easier. Yeah, what was, you know, kind of your experience here? You know, there's a lot of talent out here. Do you have a chance to, you know, put some... You know, some words in some guys' ears yeah, about what Texas, what makes Texas Texas. Yeah, I talked. Me and Jalen talked to Latrell earlier today before it all started. So that we only talked to really one guy today, but I'm always on. Of course, Bryce, yeah, every, every day. It's an ongoing job for y'all, yes, sir. Uh, what is going to be those selling points? Like, what, what do you think he needs to hear and know? It's just family. It's me and Jalen. We played together forever. We've won a national championship together with FBU, and we've played with each other forever. It's it's home, and it's, eventually he's going to realize that. <laughs> <laughs> Tamisha's uh, on his own path. He's he likes the attention, and that there's some people like that. But I'd love him here. But it's it's his choice. Obviously, the guy you just got out of the golf cart with Bryce is over here. You know yeah. what's it like? You know, obviously y'all you know y'all have gone through this recruiting process right. for a while together. Mm-hmm. What's it like? You know, going on trips with him. And what was this Texas like as well? Yeah, no. I mean, uh, you know, we've we've gone on a lot of different trips together. Um, but now that it's kind of coming to an end. It's getting more serious, and I'm getting a little more nervous. So I'm really pressuring him to come here. So I I talked to him about coming this weekend, and he ended up making the ride, so it was nice. Do you think he, you know, enjoyed it? Yeah, he enjoyed it today. He he enjoyed it. He may not say that, but deep down I know that he liked it today. What was that playoff run like? It was nuts. It was crazy. It was completely out of nowhere, and we shocked a lot of people, um, you know, destroying Side Creek, which is great revenge, but I think that the stuff we did over the offseason after we lost uh, lost that second round against Side Creek my sophomore year, we were upset, and we're like, we're tired of being overlooked, and we came out in fifth round. So I was at that at Tascosita game at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Y'all didn't look like no, no, future no. region no, no, we did not. I mean, we played against the Tascosita and Dickinson, and our and Katie were all, all of our biggest losses, and and if you look at how far they made it in the playoffs, I mean, we had, I think it was the 25th hardest schedule in the state of Texas, and I think we did fairly good. How much did that prepare y'all, and how much do you think you've improved? You know, I think from it prepared us for my for my first start. I think as a team, it prepared us to face adversity a little bit better because we we got destroyed. Okay, I've I've lost games, but it's never been that bad, <laughs> right. and that that kind of prepared us to get past that mental. Kind of like, oh my gosh, we're down by so many points. Like the game's never over until the clock's at zero zero, and so that's that's kind of what we learned throughout the whole season, facing those big losses. And I feel like I, I want to play another team like that next uh, when our for our non district games because it really prepares us well for the playoffs in this regular season. Do you think that's why players can understand some struggles more than maybe fans and people from the outside? Because you know, y'all know what it, what being on a team. Of course, yeah. I mean, you can sit in the stands and say this and that. But when you're on the field and you really look at the other team's stats and who they have and who they play and who we play, it's it's complex. And some other people that don't really understand football that much might.
might not understand. So it's, it's that's a good point. Uh, one thing I've noticed: there's like seven commitments in 2021. You know, a seven and five seasons, some coaching changes, but nobody's really wavered or talked about it or anything right. like that. Kind of what has Texas done to keep y'all all on board? So we know that the future of Texas is bright, and I and we all like as commitments, we know that it's it's going to change, and we're the ones that are going to change it, and that's that's really what's getting us motivated to stay here. Hey, Mike, we know that the coaches are out there recruiting and doing their thing. Uh, Brian Carrington's, you know, the hardest working man on the recruiting trail, on but Twitter. it seems like the biggest recruiters these days are actually the uh, players. The players are the ones hustling. They're the ones selling the schools to their their fellow peers and the guys that they probably talk to a lot more than the players and the um, you know the the guys inside the or aside from the coaches and you know the people inside the athletic department. So when you look at someone like Hayden Connor, you look like someone like Jalen Milrow, the quarterback who's in this uh, commu- the, um, in this twenty twenty one class. You know, how is it, how important is it for those guys to recruit other recruits and sell what Texas is selling? I think it's tremendously important. I, I think a player-led class is going to be better than any other type of way. Like the 2018 class was led by B.J. Foster and some of those Houston guys who really committed early, got the momentum going, and told everybody, "Come jump on board. We're going to fix this thing." And whether that's you know happened or not, you know whatever. But that was the message, and it was led from the players. This year, Jalen Milrow, Hayden Connor. Um, those guys are really like they've already started to group text. They add guys onto it. They keep them talking. And, you know, as cool as Brian Carrington is, and maybe some of the guys on the Texas coaching staff, like they're still old men compared to, you know, like they're not teenagers. They're not like, they're, you know, that's weird. And mm-hmm. so um, they're always going to want to know what the current players think. And when they go on visits, they sit there afterwards and they compare notes. You know, like, hey, what'd you like about this? What'd you think about this coach? Hey, what's he telling you about this type of thing? So when you, when you have guys from your area that you know are good football players kind of leading the charge for a school, I think that resonates more than a coach doing it because the coach is paid to do it. That's very true. All right, let's uh, hear from sci running back LJ Johnson, who also talked with you guys this past weekend. What? It was good. Got to talk to the coaches. Good experience. I like it. You got to, there's some new staffers here. Did you, right. you got, had to familiarize with some of the new uh, coaches? Coach Yuri, he talked about what he's going to bring to the offense, the new offense, um, what he's going to bring to the team, all that. What about Coach He said he's going to bring just physicality, mental toughness, just a new offense, being smart and working with the personnel he has. Does Texas seem like, you know, you have a relationship with Coach Drayton. Does it seem like it would be a fit here in Austin? I think it would be after what he was talking about. He said, um, if I come in here, I can work for a spot. Um, he'll develop me the first year. And, but the life after um, football is going to be huge. How much you hear from Jalen and Hayden and those guys? <laughs> I hear from them a lot, especially Jalen. He wants me to come here bad, so I keep in touch with him a lot. Your name came up, actually. We were talking to Derek Harris. He said you were the guy they were working on today. Right. I mean, what kind of their recruiting pitch to you, these other commitments? Uh, he just said, why not Texas? Like, it can set you up for life after football. It'll be a good place to play. Stuff like that. Last couple months, your, your offers have gotten really right. big, really good. Who are some of the other schools you're talking to and maybe visits you have set up? Uh, I've been talking to Georgia a lot, Ohio State. I'll probably visit them this spring and uh, in May. You can take some official visits in the spring? Then? Probably in the summertime, most likely. Do you it's have a timeline? I Probably I'll drop it down to top five in the summer, but committing probably anywhere after that, anytime in between signing day. Just when you know it's right? Right. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yes, how much does keeping Stan around help with running back recruiting? Do you think? I think it's very important because he's been coaching. 
He said for the last 26 years, NFL, Ohio State, he coached Zeke Elliott, players like that. So I think he's a huge part of why I want to come to Texas. Do you like what the running back room looks like in here? Because it looks like it's starting to stack up. I do. I mean, I like Counter Ingram. They got uh, Roscoe Johnson and B. John coming in. So I think that's big. They did a lot this year, especially in the last game against Utah. So I like it. Kind of your experience this weekend, you know, what was it like, you know, seeing the city, seeing the, the campus again, you know? Uh, the I've been here a few times, but it's actually nice that I remember. I like it. <laughs> the school is nice, so it'll be a good place for me to come. Like what was your experience like at the basketball game this afternoon? I enjoyed it. I just got time to uh, just talk to Coach Drake and just talk to him. So, like, what schools realistically are kind of in the mix at this point? If you had to, you know, you see they'll do it had to pick a few that are kind of pounding your list right now. Who would you? I'm really open to everybody, but the schools that have been talking to me the most, Texas and um, Oklahoma, Georgia, and Ohio State, they've been talking to me the most. What are the deciding factors going to be? Definitely my development in football, my position running back, but really what it could do for me after football, like my life. That's a very important for me and my family. Is staying in state a factor for you at all? Not a factor. Okay, Mike, Caden and LJ are both uh, chatting with you guys after they participated in a junior day at Texas. Um, for those who aren't really don't really know what junior day is, why don't you kind of fill us in and tell us how important those are to the recruiting landscape and kind of where did what is their importance? So a junior day, basically, you know, the goal is to get a select couple of dozen. You know, you don't want it to be 100, 150 guys like at a camp or even on a game day. You want it to be kind of the chosen, you know, the guys that you you really, really want. Because like what we just talked about, you know, players recruiting players is the best way to do this. So you get them all in there and you have four or five commits mixed with like the 12 biggest targets that they have. And so they can kind of, you know, they went to the Texas-Kansas basketball game. They uh, went and did uh, chalkboard stuff with the new coaches to kind of talk about what's going to be on the new offense, what's going to be on the new defense. They talked about, you know, the uh, construction in the end zone and how the stadium's going to look like. So, you know, it's really like an orientation and kind of a a sales job. Uh, But to me, the most important thing is, is you get kids from Houston, you get kids from Dallas, you get kids from East Texas, all the guys that you want to be in your recruiting class and you get them together for a day and you let them hang out and random friendships form and random bonds form and and those can help you in recruiting and i think for a lot of kids it helps them even they go to all these junior days not just texas they'll all go to texas a&ms they'll all go to oklahoma's and they all build these bonds and it allows them to know other people going through a very unique situation being recruited at the top level is not something most of us know how it works like not, not many of us have ever had that experience. All of these kids do, and they have it at the same time, so they can kind of relate to each other and talk about which coaches they like, which coaches they don't. And I think for them, it's really good to have that kind of like uh, bouncing board with people that are their peers. I would assume that when we're talking about you know what's more personal, official visit goes number one. Mm then junior days, then camps. Am I kind of ranking that correctly? Games, maybe, Mm -hmm. um, in the fall. Uh, But, yeah, because, like, you know, uh, games in the fall and stuff, the coaches, they're doing stuff. They're trying to win a football game. So they can't really just sit there and hang out with you, you know. Camps, there's so many kids there because some of that's money. You know, they're wanting guys to come that they don't even, you know, ever want to recruit. So uh, these things kind of let it be where it's like, you know, the offensive line coach only has four offensive linemen there. So Coach Hand can hang out with those four guys and really build a connection with those four guys. So 
Uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think official visits definitely number one because that's family included and that kind of stuff. Uh, but junior days to me, outside of maybe the spring game, are probably probably number two on that list of like what's important to the actual kids. I think that is going to do it for us today. I think we had a nice long discussion about a lot of a lot of different topics. You know, if you have a candidate for our Hall of Fame discussion, uh, you know, find us on the Bevo Beat Facebook page uh, for our podcast and kind of drop your drop your opinions Gently. in the comments Gently section. Gently drop it in there. Be, be kind to us. Also be kind to us in the review sections. Uh, don't forget to shoot, shoot us a review at the Apple Store and the Google Podcast app. We sure do appreciate it. Uh, Mike appreciates you reading his dotted line column, which runs every day throughout the week on hook'em.com. So read up on that. The Longhorn Confidential is brought to you by Zaxby's. Take and check into a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. We will see you next week. And if you're a Hall of Fame, fame voter, vote in Barry Bonds, please. Roger Clemens, too. Peace.